We are live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stock Talk episode 22, live show with Daniel Pronk and Jake Ruth, where we talk about recent earnings reports, what we're seeing in the market, anything related to stocks. As many of you know, Daniel is across the world in Asia right now, so it's nighttime for him. Oh, he just did a different... We just all moved. Anyways, and I'm from New York. Daniel, how are you doing? I think you just ran back from a dinner. We're a few minutes late, but excited to be with everyone this morning. Yeah, we're doing... I'm doing good. We just... I literally got back from dinner and then uh, fired up the live stream. So, yeah, it's it's interesting managing time while you're across the world like this. But uh, we're making it work. <laughs> also, I feel like we're so zoomed into everyone. But good morning to everyone in the chat who's saying good morning. And again, apologies for being a bit late. So we should just hop into Robinhood earnings. Have you had a chance to go through these, Daniel? I have not. Well, this will be fun. So I went through their earnings last night, and there is no shortage of things to talk about here. So let's hop right into it. All right. Share my screen quick. Good morning, Pedro. Good morning, Kevin. Great to see you, too. All right. So many of you know uh, what Robinhood is. Robinhood is a brokerage platform. Uh, one of the things they're most well known for is having a lot of credit for brokerage-free trades, which put a lot of pressure on the industry to give brokerage free trades to everyone else. This is nice because it means more people can participate in the market. Robinhood IPO'd, I believe, a little bit over a year ago, two years ago today. And their financials and user activity has just been downtrending ever since. So it's a very interesting use case to look at. One thing I really like, actually, Daniel, is you and I really appreciate companies that are forthcoming in their financial performance. Robinhood is pretty clear, uh, just not even talking about what their numbers are, just how are they presented. Not only are their earnings presentations put together in a very nice to read way, they also have these monthly metric reports, which I don't think they have to do. They just do it. And I let me know if you can read this, if it's too small. Uh, it's a little bit small. All right, we'll try to bring it up. But yeah, what, what do you think about companies that do that uh, for like report more than they have to? I mean, I like I like when the reports are very clear. And they're not like trying to mislead investors or try to make their numbers like when they're hand picking numbers like Snapchat does. That's kind of a red flag for me. <laughs> yeah. For, for those of you who aren't aware, we uncovered how Snapchat is being a little markety with their language around their share price increases or decreases. So that is not fun. Yeah, their shares outstanding. They just uh, they don't like to show you what the the stock based compensation is doing there. <laughs> so anyway, so for these monthly metrics, it's actually really cool. So Robinhood will put out their user growth numbers, engagements, the amount of assets they have. So again, you need to remember people that interact with Robinhood as customers. They have trading accounts. They put money into them. They execute trades. That is largely how Robinhood makes their money. So what we are seeing here is the numbers they are outputting month over month. So the latest numbers are here on the right. This top row is user growth. Uh, and this is a million. So you can see for monthly active users, about a year ago, 22.7 million. And it's been pretty flat. Uh, they hit 23 and have actually sustained that level. So not really much growth there. And we'll see later in the numbers that these are actually downtrending uh, year over year as well from their peak. So anything interesting you want to talk about here, Daniel? If not, we can go through the rest of their report. But I just wanted to let everyone know that they do have these monthly metric reports. So, you know, they're kind of showing stagnant growth, which yeah, is um... great, but it's nice that they have it out there. Yeah, one thing, like if your users are not growing, then basically for your business to grow at that point, you need to generate more revenue from every user you have. So if their users are not growing, then basically you have to ask, like, 
is that going to change in the future or how are they going to continue sucking more money out of their existing users? Because that's exactly. like where the growth is going to come from. And I don't like a business where it's like, okay, we're not growing our users anymore. So now it's just like, how much can we milk our existing ones? It's, I don't think that's a good spot for a business to be in personally. Yeah. We all know that during COVID, everyone started trading, especially during crypto. And it is really interesting to see companies like Robinhood that rode that wave had a ton of what I would like to call like investing tourists. Basically, a lot of people came to the market. They tried trading out. They didn't really know what was happening. And a lot of those people then left. So yes. yeah, there's people that are left on Robinhood, I guess, are the, the diehards, but their numbers have been down a lot. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's been big in the news is stock-based compensation. So we know this yes. is really big to look at. Uh, there was two very interesting things I saw there. One was, holy crap, they've been doing a lot of uh, stock-based compensation. But, and Daniel, I think you'd find this interesting. The CEO made an announcement that they are canceling nearly $500 million of their share-based compensation program to ensure that the company has as much resources as possible to deliver value. So... That was very interesting for me to see because this is a company that, again, is not profitable. They're losing money. They have a very large cash position. And we've seen a lot of other companies, especially the Kathy Wood stocks, just give more and more stock-based compensation. So I actually saw this as a good thing. I mean, it sounds like you're a step in the right direction, but uh, I'm not sold yet. <laughs> well, one, another thing I want to get, uh, get your opinion on is valuations do matter. Robinhood is trading at about $8.5 billion. This company's cash position is six billion dollars right now. Okay, so, but uh, go on. Is it? I, I I would need to look at their report, but like, do they report like a bank essentially, where it's like, okay, we have six billion dollars in cash, but five billion of that is our customers' cash? No, no, like they have six billion of cash, and then I think like the deposits and customer stuff on top of that is an additional like three. So we're actually talking like cash or cash equivalents like available for the company to use, as I understood it from their report. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about this before. It's interesting when you like think about buying businesses at cash value or book value when they're burning cash. I don't know what Robinhood's burn rate is like right now, but a company like BYND, for example, Beyond Meat, at one point they had like one point something billion on their balance sheet. And it was like, okay, well, do you want to buy that business at its cash value? My opinion was no, because if they're, if they got 1.3 billion in cash, but they're losing, you know, hundred million a quarter, then it's like, is it actually worth the cash value? Because over time, it's just going to continue declining. So I don't know. There's some businesses where like, I straight up don't even think they're worth the cash that they have on the balance sheet. I don't know if Robinhood is one of those, but yeah, I, I wouldn't buy a business just because it's like, you know, they have a ton of cash if they're losing a lot of money. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. And this one's interesting. So their net loss was 166 million on the quarter. Uh, if we do a little bit of math on that and annualize it, that would be $664 million in a year. You know, that's well under their cash position. So their run rate in terms of how long can they, quote, sustain this with the cash they have in the bank and their burn, the answer is years. But to give credit to what you're saying, Daniel, you know, you don't want to pay for a sinking ship. It's just really interesting to me because they are, it does seem that they're bottoming out in terms of where their activity is at when we were at around that 23 uh, monthly active users and that's still a lot of people um even though it is you know down from their boom uh you know their revenues are slowly going up you can still see that people are trading less and less this is what i wanted you to see daniel so one thing that got you and i a little dare i say frustrated last time even though we try to view these with an open mind is how robin hood makes money so obviously as the founders and executives of stock unlock we really value investment education people being given the tools they need to make informed long-term decisions as opposed to being incentivized on 
transaction frequency and things like that. Since when yeah. people trade more and take out more margin and options, statistically you lose more. You can see that the only thing that is going up for them, even though their numbers are still flat, is their margin interest over time, which is the amount of yeah. money they are making from people who take out margin. I'm not sure if you want to comment on any of these other line items here, but it kind of nicely lays out what is contributing to that 167 of uh, revenue broken down by each revenue stream on their software products. Yeah, I mean, they incentivize people to take on margin, essentially. Like Robinhood makes money, they profit off of people taking on a lot of margin. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't like that. <laughs> It, so I'll give like the two opinions. I do think it is nice that people have access to markets. It is really good to like democratize ability to have access to these trading instruments that typically were only available to the 1% or the rich. However, if you do that and don't couple it with the tools you actually need to use so successfully, it will sadly cause a lot of people to lose money. Of course, we hear all those sad stories of the Wall Street Bets crew and people like that that don't really understand what leverage is and somehow end up with a huge hole and you know, kind of yeah, your life up in some cases. And Robinhood basically gamified investing. Like I was hearing stories about like when you would buy a stock, they would like show you confetti and it was like they would get a dopamine rush whenever you like bought a stock or did something like that. So it's like, I don't know. They kind of turned investing into a little bit of a game slash casino in my opinion. Yeah. And also with like cash sweeps, I'm not sure if people know what this is, but with large amounts of money, you can like uh, move it around to like interest bearing accounts and make some money off of that, a little bit of financial engineering. And that has been going up in a higher interest rate environment as well. So not that interest rates will stay high forever, but you know, for companies that do hold a lot of cash and customer deposits, you are able to pull some strings there, bring in some more revenue. So again, kind of flat-ish, but it is interesting to see that more and more of their revenue percent is coming from that margin interest. I just really hope that their customers aren't getting burned. Uh, obviously, there's no numbers here to show like are people on Robinhood making or losing money, uh, but I'd be interested to see that. Anyways, uh, going through some fun stats here, we start looking at the average revenue per user numbers and stuff, which we'll you know get to down here. Just to let you know that those graphs are coming. But yeah, let's uh, take a look at the graphs. Awesome. So, okay, so right here, the average revenue per user one here. Yeah. So now you can see like as of Q1 2022, they're trying to get their average revenue per user up because their users are essentially not growing. If you go up to the chart above, monthly active users declined to 11.4 million. So monthly active users are down probably like 70 to 80% year over year. Um, not great to see. Are there any more charts? Yeah, I think I might want to do a small correction. Okay, user growth. Yeah, sorry. I said that it was 23 monthly active, but that was wrong. That was actually the net funded account. So apologies there. Uh, the, <laughs> did you hear about their $57 million mistake? No. So there's a one-time processing charge, which hits hits their numbers. And this one's a doozy. This was in the news, actually. So there is an error processing a stock split for the stock, COSM. They were handling a one for 25 reverse stock split. And the error allowed their customers to be able to execute more shares than they held, which caused a temporary short position, which Robinhood covered out of their corporate cash. So this is a mishap by the company obviously mistakes happen but this was a 57 million dollar mistake so as a company is losing money just not something you really like to see what does this make you think i mean uh i'm glad they fixed the issue but uh kind of sounds a little bit like amateur hour over there yeah i'm not going to pretend that i know what it's like to run or operate a brokerage but i've just never heard anything like this before so. yeah i i mean yeah they're basically allowing people to sell more shares than they own, which enters a short position, which is not good. 
like someone could fat finger something and then all of a sudden they have a 10x short position on a stock you know so put yourself in the customer's shoes daniel before the split you bought this stock you thought it was going to the moon maybe you did it on margin because Robinhood makes it easy to do that you buy 100 shares you wake up the next day you have 2,500 shares and the ability to sell all of them. And the price is also 25x higher-ish relative because the stock split. So it looked like people just started liquidating the crap out of that because they knew that they didn't have it. And it seems like Robinhood just was kind of like, oh, crap, our bad. Like, you shouldn't have actually been given the ability to sell all those stocks. Yeah, you know, just something you hope you never see again. But as someone, you know, who's looking at this $8.5 billion company with $6 billion in cash, I'm like, I'm trying to find more things to make me take a gamble and like just swing trade it with an amount of money i'm okay with losing but stuff like this just kind of makes me say it what is that honestly yeah agreed so one thing i really do like about Robinhood is they are very quick to deliver products and you could argue about what they released there here's a quick visual just in the past year each one of these circles is a product and we will not go through all these but you can find them on their earnings report so they're doing a lot around crypto. They actually had a really awesome uh, 1% IRA match on a Robinhood retirement account. I actually thought that was like a really great feature. And one thing I wanted to call out is they're building on the success of Robinhood Snacks uh, and formed Sherwood Media LLC. So they are officially uh, making it very clear that they are making a move to go more into the news and media space. I did not like this. I think news and media are very low margin and good for awareness, but... I am seeing these pop up more and more. I just didn't really expect Robinhood to take a real corporate plunge into doing this, you know, with their corporate dollars. So you can expect to see some Robinhood news and media programming coming to a TV near you. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, definitely not what I would be expecting from them. Yeah. I did not know they were doing that. That's, uh, yeah, okay. It's interesting. Uh, up here is the Roth, uh, Robinhood retirement thing I brought up. And, and again, I actually think this is, great uh, i don't know the details about how you get this because i'm used to getting it through an employer but a one percent match sounds good i'm just not used to hearing about that behavior from anyone who isn't your employer anyways uh this is i don't have anything else daniel on the bolded list if you want we could look at their cash flows a bit or we can head over to the chat uh feel you can run tempo yeah let's for let's uh head over to the chat all right, and there you go, uh, Robinhood Investor uh, Relations page if you want to go look at some of this information yourself. Yeah, so basically my number one concern with Robinhood is, is just like their growth is basically coming from them getting more and more revenue out of every single user that they have, not their users actually growing and like their monthly active users is dropping 70% year over year. So overall, um, I'm not excited. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sold on that business yet at all. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. If the numbers like were really, really bottoming with the amount of cash they have and me actually trusting leadership, it makes me get... Why do you Why do you trust the leadership there? Like, I like I actually like Vlad. So what a lot of people... Stock-based compensation they did when they IPO'd, it was like one point something billion. They diluted the crap out of people. I was I'm like, gonna take, I don't know if I trust those people. I, I'm going to take the other side on this just for, you know, the sake of discussion here. Okay. This company could not have been more bubble timed in terms of not only did they IPO during like the stock market bubble and things like that, the inception on top of that is they are literally the access to the stock market and part of what propelled all these users and consumers to have easier access to the market. Money was flowing freely, Fed interest rates were at zero. This is someone who had been starting this company since early 2010s and their mission statement on their company is they wanted to democratize access to financial data and markets. So 
that is a very noble mission. I think they've actually positively applied a lot of pressure on these industries to lower rates. And relative from his shoes at the time, he has a board of investors and people working there. They all want to get rich. The board of investors wants the company to be as big as possible. And based on how their numbers were trending, it looked like they were going to be at 50, 100 million active users in a few years. And based on how their revenues were, they were literally thinking that they were going to be a $50 billion company. Now, if you do grow like that, I think it is arguable that for the people working there, you can give them good comp. As we all know, that bubble kind of popped. I think what's happening now is he got a little drunk with the board and on the free finances, things were flowing got a little bit crazy. They were doing too much stock comp. Things turned way quicker and harder than they thought. Yes, he made mistakes. Yes, they did a little bit too much comp, all of that. However, he is doing everything he can right now to turn that around. He canceled 500 million what stock compensation. What about all uh, changes? What about when the company stopped letting retail buy certain stocks and you could only sell your position and they uh, basically cut off <laughs> and they basically cut off, you know, like said, "Hey, we're going to start protecting you guys by not letting you buy stocks, but if you have a position, you can only sell it now, which basically created only sell side pressure on certain stocks, which is super sketch to me, not trustworthy at all, not something I'd be comfortable getting involved with. There would be a lot, there would be a lot that you'd have to forgive. A anyways, to be clear, I'm not taking any position in this stock. I'm just saying the valuation according to his cash and them turning it around, like there is some turnaround play here. Probably not for me. If I had to pick a side, like I, I get it. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I don't see Robinhood disappearing. They have, you know, over tens of millions of users. Well, we'll see what happens with this one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to disappear, but uh, I don't think it fits in my gray business box. It's got a long way to go before it fits in that box. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it has a 2.62 uh, score on stock and lock. I do not believe that we have the gap standardized financials yet. So that will update when it shows that they're still losing money. Yeah. Robinhood's always an interesting one. I feel like every time we talk about it, also, it's like <laughs> you get trick, you get triggered by the consumer investing behavior of people taking out tons of margin. Yeah. You're leveraging up. And I, I get, I get triggered by Robinhood promoting that and like incentivizing it basically. And like, making people take on more risk than they know they're taking on, which ultimately led to a lot of bad financial decisions that people didn't know they were actually making, which caused a lot of people to lose a ton of money, sometimes their entire life savings. Also, Robin could make some money. You know, like that's the way I see it. So that's what I mean. It is, that company has a lot of work to do before I would even have an ounce of trust. All right. Well, there you have it. Robin Good earning. I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they made free trades though. They definitely put pressure on people. So like they did do something good for the sector, but uh, yeah, that's, that's it, it, it's easy. It's easy to dunk on them, but I'm just saying, I think there's a little bit more of this story that we'll, we'll see unwind in the next few years. We'll see. Yeah, Eddie, it looks like you got a stock up here from a Afi, Afi gorilla, AFE gorilla. Yeah. So we've been asked about, um, Fiverr. All right. Fiverr earnings. So I have not taken a look at Fiverr's earnings. However, I will share my screen now. Amazing. It had much being shared. <laughs> Perfect. So let's take a look quick. This company has a 2.5 insight score right here out of five. That's not the best. It looks like it ran huge in 2020. It was up over a thousand percent and now it is down 86%. $1.48 billion company now. This is the company I believe where like you can go on it and hire people to do things, right? Like you can pay people to like make you a logo or um, some sort of service like that. 
Yeah, it's like a it's like a gig economy marketplace. Yeah, I feel like I so, see these stock charts every week when we look at stocks now, Daniel. Like the boom during COVID, just like a big mountain that collapses. Yeah. So, I mean, when everyone was working from home, it looks like Fiverr did see you know a tailwind from that. It looks like the revenue is kind of topping out now. If you go to the trailing twelve months and show their revenue growth, their growth rate is definitely slowing down in the trailing twelve months. So it looks like things overall are slowing down in terms of revenue. But then if we go to cash flow, um, cash flow is starting to come down in the trailing 12 months. But if you take a look at quarterly, it's been basically coming down for like six quarters now. So basically revenue is going up, but cash flow is going down, which means that their operating cash flow margin quarterly is going down quite significantly as well. Went from about 13% down to seven, so almost cut in half. Um, what is their free cash flow doing? Let me take a look here. They're issuing common stock. That could be from stock-based compensation. It doesn't cost them a lot. So they are free cash flow positive. It's good to see. How much free cash flow? I see they're going at 57. Okay. Yeah. Price to free cash flow 57, which means a free cash flow yield of 1.74. So what do our insights say? Like what else is going on? Because it looks like it's not, not growing and still kind of expensive. Yeah. Like it has a decent balance sheet. Um, analysts are apparently bullish on it. Growth is not good. Again, you can see the revenue is growing, but operating income going down, net income going down, operating cash flow going down, free cash flow decreasing, book value decreasing. So revenue is going up, but then like every other profitability metrics going down. Gross margin is 80%, but operating margin negative, net margin negative, unprofitable. So profitability is low. They're not investing money well. And their risk premium right here in our valuation is not good because basically, yeah, the stock is down 86%. But the free cash flow yield is still 1.74%. And I believe bonds right now are offering like 4%. So this company, I mean, you could go buy a bond and get a way better yield on your money. So I think it's risky. I don't love that valuation. I don't like that the uh, profits are not growing with revenue and uh, that the revenue growth is really slowing down. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I think is important to talk about with Fiverr is does this company have a moat? In my opinion, this company does not have a moat. There's also companies like TaskRabbit, so a marketplace to connect gig economy workers, I don't believe is a defensible business model. On top of that, the customers of this business model, who are people who are working for themselves, typically use these things to generate leads and get in contact with people. But there is no incentive, in my opinion, for the customers who are the people working and doing the gig economy stuff to keep working through Fiverr or through TaskRabbit. There's fees associated with that, like you're adding a, a middle layer of bureaucracy to connect, which sure is good for the connection but then the person who's valuing from that transaction who's the person giving the work they are not incentivized to stay on these platforms they want to go off platform and start booking it themselves because then they get more of the pie that is a huge issue i see with bees i think we see it in the numbers so they're being attacked from their consumers not wanting to stay and there being a lack of moat and other companies doing the exact same thing battle to the bottom and while it's trading at like a over 50 price of free cash flow that's not growing it's a no for me dog yeah exactly there's just uh I'm going to throw that one in my not great business bin, at least from like the quick analysis we did there. I'm imagining your like not great business bin is this like thing overflowing with like papers and stuff. And then in the other bin, there's just one post note on the bottom and you look in and it says, bam. <laughs> you got bam, you got Google. Yeah. But bam, bam's, I, I've liked, I've liked bam for a minute. Okay. Stock auto. Hello, stock auto. We need to respond to uh, stock auto's email soon. Hi guys, can you check Floor and Decor Holdings? I think you will like it. F&D, this is Floor and Decor. Inside score 3.17, looks like they IPO'd in 2017. 
Um, looks like 150% gain since then. I believe that's outperforming the SPY then. Yes. Finally, not one of those graphs that's just like a, a mountain. I mean, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is a retail company. It looks like the revenue has been growing consistently every year. That's good to see. Lauren Decor engages in the retail of hard surface flooring and related accessories. The company is headquartered in Atlanta. So it sounds like basically um, over the past few years with low interest rates, I think, well, I anecdotally, I've seen a lot of people do like home renovations and whatnot. So if this company is basically supplying home renovations, let's just say, then when money was cheap, I think a lot of people probably renovated their homes. This company probably saw its fundamentals go up from that. I don't know. So yes. I feel like we had a similar conversation when we were looking at Home Depot. Yeah. Like, it's like a, consumer trends of, you know, people did those projects during COVID and now like a lot of these businesses are seeing revenue tailwinds from the lack of spending specifically though for those types of projects. Yeah, like their revenue is actually still growing decently. Um, no, I, I read so a book this week actually from the old CEO of Home Depot. It was a really good one called Kicking Up Dust. And I can share this, uh, share it at the end of the stream. The company yeah. itself, home, I know we're digressing, but the Home Depot company actually has a really awesome uh, background story. Anyways. Also, Home Depot, digress. apparently Peter Lynch bought Home Depot stock when they had like four stores. And then he sold it because I think he made... I'm going to butcher the story, by the way, so we definitely need to fact check me here. But it was something like he made 5x his money on the stock, so he sold it. And then the stock went on to 200x or something like that from where he sold it. He was like, his number one mistake, he said, in his investing career was always selling great stocks too early. I'm trying to look one. it up, but I can't find it. Yeah, it was like a crazy story. Basically, he would have more than 100x his money, and like he took a quick gain on Home Depot. And like he was one of the first investors, it sounded like. It was crazy. Anyways, um, this dog definitely giving me some Home Depot vibes. Flash from operating activities over the past four quarters has been basically non-existent. And in the trailing 12 months, you can see their operating cash flow has declined from 566 million all the way down to negative 56 million. So very low. Yeah, so their operating cash flow is declining significantly. I'd want to know why that is, especially when like revenue's going up, because what that means is the operating cash flow of margin has just completely collapsed from about 19% down to negative 1.3%. And that's a significant drop. So I would want to know why that's happening. Um, is It's possible that they're investing in growth, potentially? Yeah, but usually when you're investing in growth, it's your, it's your CapEx. So that's like after investments. That's after operating cash flow. So that means that their free cash flow right now is really taking a dive, and it is. Mm. So it went from positive 300 million to negative 500 million, so it dropped by 800 million over the past um, 15 months. So yeah, I would want to know why that's happening. I would definitely need that answered before I would like take a serious look into this. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird. Like it almost seems like things were going well, the plane was going straight and then some someone just took, you know, the controls and just started nosediving it. Uh, but yeah. to to your to what you're saying though, there's likely a reason for it. It's just not clear yet why. Yeah, like you would have to read their SEC filings and figure that out, but like that right there just like at a quick glance is like I would 100% want that answered. So yeah, I don't know. Revenue is going up, but I would want to know what's going on with the cash flow there, for sure. Also, Jake, did you have a um, time or chance to look at Alibaba's earnings? I unfortunately did not. But what I did have time to do was release the uh, total portfolio returns graph in Stop and Lock yesterday, which is where my time has been spent. So 
for you stock and lock users we heard you we added that so you can go check it out and actually see your true gains losses on open closed positions over time as opposed to the value of your open unrealized positions over time which is useful but not the full picture uh, yeah so you did not okay did and you, you were did you i did briefly and alibaba i think they generated something like 12 billion dollars in free cash flow for the quarter revenue was up two percent year over year despite everything going on in china and like i'm pretty sure they they smashed earnings <laughs> so i also think they bought back like 3.3 billion dollars worth of shares so i don't know i thought it was like really good performance honestly they said that they were going to focus on getting cash flow back they got cash flow back and um again in one quarter they generated like 12 billion in free cash flow yeah so i i am impressive. a uh, what's up it was just pretty impressive yeah i think you are too i am a uh, baba bag holder i think i Probably down like 30 or 40 percent on it. It's not a huge position in my portfolio, but I've been holding that for a bit. Kind of like bought it on the way down. One thing I didn't like about their last report, because we did talk about their last report a few months ago, was I wanted to see their cloud segment grow. And what we saw was I think it only grew like 4%. And then later on the report, they claimed like 2% or sorry, two of those four percentage points. So half of that growth actually came internally from Baba. They were losing international customers and it kind of fit this narrative where if there's multiple cloud service providers out there, including Amazon, Google, Microsoft, why would you use a cloud service provider that runs within a co country where the CCP controls company? And that was unfortunately playing out there. So I don't know what they reported this quarter, but I would be really curious to see what their cloud growth was, if anything, because that's a trend I would really want to see reverse. I think that is a huge growth driver for them. In addition to them, obviously, being the marketplace uh, provider for China, similar to how Amazon kind of grew out that way in the U.S. for just going online and buying things. Yeah, basically the uh, the outcome of our conversation last time was like Alibaba's cloud is a play on China's cloud. Because if you're like a global company, like if you're in Italy, for like let's just pick Italy for no random reason at all. Um, if you're a company operating in Italy and you're looking at Azure, AWS, Google Cloud, or Alibaba, you're probably not going to choose Alibaba. You know, like with those other options out there, it's like, yeah. So I think Alibaba Cloud is probably a play on China's cloud growth at this point, which is going to be slower. But overall, the company did report some pretty solid numbers. And I'm in Cambodia right now. And recently we were in Vietnam. And I have seen Alibaba's logistics companies like delivering things all over the cities here, which is very interesting to see. Yeah, I know the company did a lot of investments in Asia specifically like it wasn't just a china play i also read that they had to like divest out of some investments that they made in india due to like tensions between the two countries so it's just a little bit hard for me to follow but yeah no yeah, they are they're international asia is an interesting place man and also alipay right i know that that's huge uh, those were, numbers were interesting to track as well it is funny how many mirrors uh back and forth there are from you know tech companies uh in western hemisphere and also baba I feel like they all got their wallet, they got their web computing services, then like they got the marketplace, or at least in Amazon's position. So it is kind of funny to like see that play out in similar ways, but just like kind of mirrored patterns. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely interesting. Also, side note, I've been like paying attention here in Southeast Asia, just like how much growth there is. And it's it's pretty insane. Um what, what type of growth? Just like overall economic growth. For example, we went on a we hired a driver today to like take us a few places in Cambodia. And he was saying that all of the skyscrapers that you could see 
like all over Phnom Penh, which is the capital here, have been built within the last 10 years. And there's a lot. And then there's also like within iShot, I was counting like seven to 10 new skyscrapers going up and like so much growth just happening over here. So then I looked up Cam Cambodia's GDP growth rate. And historically it's been, it's, it's been anywhere from seven to 15% per year. It's just like wild how much things are growing over here. And it's the same with Vietnam. Like we were, we were in Da Nang and Nha Trang, which are kind of beachy towns, beachy cities. And there was just like skyscrapers popping up all over the place along the coast, like along the beaches. It was like every piece of land was either already a, a skyscraper or like a new hotel being built. I was just like, dang, dude. Yeah, there is money pouring into these economies. Like it was the most, there was the most construction I've ever seen in a city over here. That's exciting. Yeah, it's wild, man. I know we went through Y Combinator and there's tons of startups going through there and the amount of startups in especially Southern Asia region, even talk about like Indonesia were huge. And my mind was blown when you talk about the cost of labor. So when I go out to hire a software engineer or someone, you're either looking at like 1099 contractors or W2 employees, salaries will start at about 100K on the super low end and obviously go upwards of 200K plus. You are able to hire a like team of software engineers out there for almost pennies on the dollar relative to the cost here. So I think the people I was talking to were paying a couple thousand dollars a month for a team of six to seven software engineers. You could pay a couple thousand dollars a month here, and maybe if you're lucky, get one contract engineer. So cost of labor out there is low. Birth rates are obviously going up. We know that, that feeds into the economy, and some of these populations are starting to mature. They are obviously at earlier points than the U.S. was, you know, flashback 40, 50 years ago. So yeah, investor dollars are flowing in there. We saw it through Y Combinator. Cost to build a business down there is low. So Tell us where yeah. the investing opportunities are. Like, what is the best company right now in Cambodia to invest in? Dan? I don't know. You're on the floor. You're doing direct research. I know. I've been paying attention to, like, what companies are out here. So, Manulife is a Canadian insurance company. They are working with Vietnam, and they're, like, one of the largest insurers in Vietnam now. So, they're exposed to that, that growth. Also, a Canadian bank called National Bank. And full disclosure, I bought some shares yesterday of it. They have a subsidiary here in Cambodia called Ada Bank. So I went and I took a look at National Bank's report. And um, I just like control f Cambodia in the report. And you can find like the performance of Ada Bank here in Cambodia. And it's growing. It's growing profits 30% year over year on $250 million in annual net income. So I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, if 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 I'm looking at a business like Let's take that subsidiary on its own. You got $250 million in net income growing at 30% per year. Like how much is that business worth most likely? I would say at least 20 times earnings. I'd be happy to pay that. So that would be at least a $5 billion market cap for that bank. And this is in a country that's growing GDP, you know, 7 to 15% per year and like just getting started in my opinion. So I was like this subsidiary of National Bank, I could see over the next 15 to 20 years probably being worth the entire market cap of the company national bank today and like national bank is also this like smaller canadian bank i know you don't like banks very much but uh, i do so I'm just like I, I, i'm neutral i'm neutral on that <laughs> I, I don't like yeah I, i'm not like a bank hater or anything that's exciting though is that a new position for you yeah I'm, i've started uh it's very small so far but uh i liked what i saw man i like that the company's focusing on emerging markets like this is exactly what i would be doing if i had the capital like if i owned a bank you know, and you're, you're in these 
more mature markets like the United States and Canada, it's like, we need to go where the growth is. And right now the growth in the world is Southeast Asia. So they're doing that. They're now in Cambodia and looking around over there. So I was like, plus one for management for me. Like, that's exactly what I would be doing. Yeah. Do you think it could be worth it to bring this stock up on Stock and Lock? We could take a deeper look. Oh, yes. Let me share. Um, I believe it's RNA.to. Also, while you're bringing that up, we do love interacting with the chat. We are uh, equal opportunity comment readers. So I'll read this one quick. Someone said 15 minutes on Robinhood. Come on, guys. Uh, Fair, let us know a bit more about what you think. We love feedback there, but there was a lot of interesting things in that report. So I'd love to hear a little bit more. Okay, so this bank here has inside score 4.17. If we take a look at the total returns versus the S&P 500, it's uh, massively outperformed since what is this the year 2000 it's up including dividends 1300 percent 1300 percent versus the spies 186 percent looks like those returns kind of it looks like it's consistently outperforming depending on the time frame but yeah it's a nice dividend paying stock five-year compounded annual growth rate to the dividend is about 10 percent oh nice Pulse. yeah like you can see the dividends just like growing growing yeah growing, grow. yeah let's uh this is my favorite stat right here the dividend yield on cost because this yes. is how dividend investors should think right like doesn't matter what your yield is today it's like what is your yield on cost i feel yeah. like we'll talk about that yeah so if you had bought the stock in 2000 then you'd have a yield on cost right now 44 percent ish um even 10 years ago if you bought it in 2012 you'd now have a 10 percent yield on cost which is like pretty freaking good so as the net income grows you know they return that net income to shareholders through increasing the dividend and i don't know man like it's it's been a solid bank in my opinion been very very solid revenue has been growing you, you like the management and everything as well yeah so i only have a small position because i haven't like actually fully looked into the management and everything yet so when i say small i mean like less than one percent so far but i like that the management is looking into emerging markets in southeast asia and i mean i was reading about the uh, ada bank subsidiary and they're all over cambodia like we use them tonight to pay for dinner basically well we didn't use them we actually used cash but that was the bank. That... You're also using Airbnb. Yeah. Anyways, if someone someone did say, let me find this comment. So you were talking about all the buildings going up in Cambodia a few minutes ago, but those buildings are often Airbnbs or hotels. So as businesses or as cities are expanding, there's more places to visit, more places to go, more buildings coming up. What companies are going to benefit from that? You know what my answer would be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah potentially. We'll see. Yeah, and I, I think we got time for about one more. Uh, this is going to be a slightly quicker stream than normal. Might actually make a record. Normally, we go for over an hour, but uh, conflicting schedules today had other ideas. So we have about five minutes left. Not sure if you want to take one more stock here from the chat, Daniel, or if there was any other secret stocks that you were looking at that you might have started a position in this week. I don't have anything that exciting to share, but I thought that was cool. Mr. Mr. Bank himself. Daniel, Sir Prompt. <laughs> um, Simon says, Kushtard, this is another Canadian. I think they're also on the U US exchanges, but uh, they're basically a convenience store network and chain. And Circle K is their their brand. And Circle K is also over here in Southeast Asia. So this person's basically just saying that's another one that has exposure over here. Um, I'm going to try and take a look for one. I saw an interesting comment up here that I think we should talk about. I don't know where it went, though. Have you ever looked at Med, Metafast? They have almost a 10% free cash flow yield. I have not, but uh, here was a comment. What you guys think about the search market share Google can loss versus the gain in cloud market and hardware? 
I actually don't know if I fully understand that. It's uh, I would think it's like balancing the revenue stream. So if they're losing market share in search, could they gain that back in other areas of their, of their business? Yeah. So you know what? Here, I'm going to share my screen really quick. Also, now I, I hate saying this because now you're always going to think about it. And maybe I do this too. But I love the announcement of screen sharing. It's like very specific. I am going to share my screen. Yes, I am going to share my screen now. Some people made fun of millennials for that too. Like apparently when we took out, take out like the camera to film ourselves, there's like a pause for us to like make sure it's on. And apparently like Gen Z is not doing that. And it's some like weird way to tell like when someone was born. Obviously like a little bit gossipy, but I thought there was like some truth to that. Because like when we used to take it out, you had to make sure like, oh, is this on? Like, okay, we're going. And that's how like every single one of our live streams starts. Yeah, pretty much. So, um... What I have been doing is I've been paying attention to the Google trend of just the Google platform. And I've been seeing if like Google is actually going to start losing interest over time, you know, with all these like chat GBT and Bing discussions going on. And Google's interest overall right now is 91 versus last year at the same time, it was about 88. So year over year, like nothing has really changed. Um, let's take a look at the past five years. I mean, it looks pretty dang consistent. I don't really see anything. I don't really see any dropping in Google's interest over time and uh, these charts at least. So I think people are still using Google. I'm not sold yet that Bing is going to dethrone Google or take significant market share. I, I have some opinions on this. Like if we're talking about advertising in general, I mean, a lot of Google's business and what they've built a you know massive trillion dollar company on is their ads. It's not just Microsoft coming in with search, right? Like Amazon's ad business has been exploding. Apple's ad business has been growing. There's also been a lot of other smaller players coming in for ads. So I do see Google facing a lot more competition there. And maybe it's indirect to compare to their search dominance. But what search dominance means to me is ads dominance. Like they are directly tied, but like one leads to the other. What I focus on with Google in that respect of, okay, if they're not going to have as much revenue from ads, where is this business going to grow? In my mind, it's cloud compute, AI, and YouTube. Like the revenue that they're getting from YouTube and creators like Mr. Beast and everyone doubling down and building businesses on YouTube is crazy. It's one of the reasons why I like Airbnb is when you can create your own economy around a product, it is sicky. Like people have their livelihoods and literally their entire career is built on top of YouTube and that ad sharing scheme. YouTube shorts is becoming big. They're doing a 50-50 splits with creators there. Just like with Airbnb, people using a similar manner, either for side income or actually just being hosts as their main job. I continually see people put in more of their time, effort, and human hours like into these apps and platforms, not to mention that their cloud compute infrastructure layer is also being used on the B2B side to build more of these applications as well. So even for people building the new stuff that will compete with it, they're still paying for the underlying layer that powers that, which is their cloud. Sure, they can go to Azure or Amazon, but anyways, that's how I think about their overall piece of the pie, if that's what this question is getting at. like. Sure, like things are shifting around as to like their market share and search and ads. I think that there's a lot of other pieces of the pie that are moving around quickly too that people need to. Yeah, I'd agree. We'll see. We'll just see. Yeah. All right, Daniel, any last words? I know it is getting late for you there. Even uh, just a fun plan for tomorrow. Uh, I can't tell if that's an elephant shirt or not, but I'm keeping that going every stream. All right. You disappointed me the last two streams. I want an elephant shirt. My elephant shirts have shrunk. So, yeah, they're pretty low quality. I mean, you know, you buy them for like three bucks and then you wash them and then they shrink and then they don't fit anymore. So that's the story. I'm pretty sad about it. 
I was trying to find a dad joke and like my elephant shirt shrunk or like my elephant elephant shirt tr- trunk. Lol. Um, okay. Good time. To no, do. we're flying. We're flying to Ang. No, sorry, we're flying to Siem Reap tomorrow. We're leaving Phnom Penh. It's about a forty-five minute flight. We're gonna be in Cambodia for about another four days, and then we're back in Thailand. Awesome. Well, maybe we'll see you in Thailand next week. For everyone tuning in, we really appreciate everyone being here. We do our best to go live every week. Daniel has been in Asia for the past uh, month or two, so our schedule has been a bit choppy. But again, typically it's every Saturday. You can join our Stock Unlocked Discord to get notified when we are going live. We record the events there. It is totally free. And of course, we are the co-founders of Stock Unlocked. So if you haven't checked out StockUnlocked.com yet, build a ton of investment education and analysis tools. You can go get your free trial. And we are super nerdy about investing, all about talking about earnings reports, learning how stocks work, and just failing and growing together. I really appreciate everyone coming out every week. And I just dropped a link to the Discord if you want to join. So that's it. Perfect. I'll smile. Yeah. Maybe hit the button. Um, yeah, everyone, if you want to know when we're going to live stream and next, as Jake said, join the Discord and we'll send out a, a notification. So yeah. Till next All time. Right. I'm, I'm going to hit the button. <laughs> <laughs>